When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. We're live. We're live. I was hustling. I was running. I was I was slamming the keyboard, Ryan, trying to get out my five thoughts and a grade on Emmanuel Sanders signing with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, we're getting after it tonight, Ryan. We, we spent about an hour over on Twitter. Uh, they have a new uh, platform uh, that they rolled out uh, on the app. It's called Twitter Spaces, and it allows you to kind of do like a live audio podcast and uh, very interactive. It allows you to bring fans in and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. So we was we were talking a little bit about the moves that the Bills have made. This is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast. I know you're all out there just hyped. You can't go to bed. Everybody's got to work tomorrow, but it's Zach Ertz watch. The Bills just re uh, just signed Emmanuel Sanders to replace John Brown. There's a new punter in town, Ryan Talbot. What is up, my friend? Hey, not too much. Like you said, uh, things have been pretty wild here lately. It was a, a slow start for the Bills uh, in terms of news. But now, you know, they're apparently in the mix on Zach Ertz, as you mentioned, signing Emmanuel Sanders, a player that they've tried to reel in here a few times via trade and then free agency. And yeah, even Matt Hawk, uh, a punter who is known for getting the ball pinned inside the twenty. Uh, I know there was a little controversy there. I, I know there's a lot of uh, Corey Bohorquez fans out there, more than I anticipated on Twitter. It got so a little emotional. It, it got a little did. emotional for some. So, yes, but the Bills are making moves, and that's all you can ask for. You know, I wanted to do this kind of late-night edition because, like, people joke ab- about it. Uh, like, you know, there's Brandon Bean or Bills uh, late night during free agency. A lot of the big moves have happened late at night. So who knows? Maybe we'll have a little show here. We'll have some news uh, to react to. We'll try to keep up to in the comments here. If you guys have anything specific you want us to talk about, I see Joe D pro over on Facebook, always commenting. He's already got a question. We got you locked in Joe. So we'll, we'll, we'll hit some questions as we move throughout the program, but let's start off with, before we get too much into the possibility of Zach Ertz, we know for a fact that the bills are going to have a new pass catcher next season. Uh, what's up, Kevin Masari? Uh, give us the shout out over on uh, Twitter. Uh, thanks for tuning in, my friend. Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, let's get into that because you know I think I brought it up today during during one of our Spaces conversations that I all of a sudden and trust me, I've been a guy that's been pretty high on Gabriel Davis and in the in the possibility of him really moving into that uh, wide receiver two role. But as you get closer, I and start to really spend some time thinking about it. You get nervous, Ryan, about the potential of him being the only option there if you don't address the loss of John Brown. And I think what Emmanuel Sanders does, bringing him on board, 
it does two things. Number one, it secures the fact that you have a proven NFL quality receiver that has a lot of the traits that I think that this regime looks for. When they went back and they signed John Brown and Cole Beasley, if you remember back to last offseason, they were going to go after Sanders before the Stephon Diggs deal materialized. So I think that's one part of it. That's good. You want to add those kind of players. They've done a good job at, at, at kind of um, finding them and earmarking them and then going after them and, and getting them to work in their system. The second part, though, is I think it takes a little bit uh, I love this comment. <laughs> this guy calls it the, the beanstalk. Um, <laughs> uh, I see that all the time. Uh, remind me to bring that up. I saw that last episode. It was funny. Um, second part is I just think this takes a little bit of pressure off of Gabriel Davis. And where was he so good this year? I think he was so good in the fact that the expectations weren't overwhelming. He was allowed to grow and develop in the offense. And he took advantage of opportunities, made some big plays and some big moments. But a lot of those big plays came in that fourth wide receiver role, Ryan. Yeah, and a lot of them came on almost like scramble drills where Josh Allen rolled out of the pocket, had to make something happen. The play broke down, Gabriel Davis got open there. It wasn't necessarily off the initial route or, or uh, what he was anticipated to do. We did see him get open a little bit downfield more than I anticipated because he doesn't have that breakaway speed. But, you know, he made the most of his rookie year. He obviously scored quite a few touchdowns for the Bills. He, he was great in terms of production versus where they drafted him but like you said you don't want to leave leave that option out there where maybe he falls off a little bit in year two because teams now there's a lot of tape on him what he can do what he's great at and not have another option out there and by bringing Emmanuel Sanders someone who is still productive uh, over 700 yards this past season in New Orleans where at first glance you'd say oh 700 yards in New Orleans that's not that great but you think about that team in general with Drew Brees and what he was going through this year and Taysom Hill as the quarterback at times. Uh, he was still very productive. He had five touchdowns. He, he's been a guy that's been getting 700, 800 yards these last few years. Uh, it was a 1,000-yard receiver from 14 to 16. So he, he's still playing at a high level. He's not in those prime years in terms of where he's going to most likely be, but he can be a very valuable number two, number three receiver. Uh, slotted in there in that number two spot on the outside opposite Stefan Diggs. And obviously you have Cole Beasley on the inside, someone who obviously knows Emmanuel Sanders very well from those SMU days. Um, a lot to be excited about if you're a Bills fan. You're bringing in a player that's going to help in 2021. He's only signed up for a one-year deal. He's getting up there in age. It gives Gabriel Davis, though, another year to prove himself and the, the Bills to kind of figure out what they want to do at that position if they do need to bring in someone else so that way Gabriel Davis can can be in the appropriate role going forward. What do you think about money, Ryan? Six million, the terms of the deal, one year, six million, five hundred thousand dollars worth of incentive. You know, when they when the when the news first broke and shout out to Dan Fates uh over at 13 Wham in Rochester. We had him on the Rochester show a couple weeks ago. Slam huge breaking news bomb tonight. Uh congratulations to him. I uh, wanted to give him the shout out when that was first reported. I started kind of thinking about what the terms might look like and what I'd be, you know, able to stomach if I'm a bills fan and, you know, 6 million, when you first hear it, I, I think it's a little bit richer than I probably would have thought at 34 years old. And it's funny. He turned 34 uh, at midnight tonight. Uh, and so he'll go into his 11th season in the NFL. I thought that might be a little bit expensive, but I just go back to the fact that I think that there's so much work that the Bills can do. They obviously traded Lee Smith to open up $2.25 million. And shout out to Brandon Bean for trading a 
very, very veteran tight end who has declared the fact that he's considering retirement uh, and getting a, a conditional pick back, which, by the way, is probably going to end up being nothing uh, if he does retire. But, you know, it, it frees up the cap space and allows you to make some moves. And, you know, we're going to talk about Zach Ertz and, and potentially some moves that the Bills can make there. But this is, um, I think, the more I sit with it, the more the money feels okay because of the upside of Sanders. Yeah, I think that's a fair a fair point, a fair way to look at it. It, it reminded me a little bit of, of last year when they signed Josh Norman, and I thought that number figure for Norman caught me off guard. This caught me off guard a little bit too. Uh, it caught me off guard because there's still a lot of really young, up-and-coming wide receivers out there on the market at Curtis Samuel. There's some other guys that, uh, like a Will Fuller, yeah, there's some injury concerns attached to that, but you kind of want to see what those receivers are going to go for. And maybe they are, maybe it's a bidding war and, and we just don't know that. And there's a two or three teams in, in, in the mix for them. They're going to end up getting well above six. I would imagine all of them get well above six, but what if one of them signs for 8 million and yeah. then you, you can go back and you can look and say, okay, was one of them at 8 million given the age, given the skill set, better than one year, 6 million for Sanders. You know, that's something that you're not going to know until the end of the season. You're not going to know down until down the road. But the one thing we do know is that this regime has wanted him for years. They tried trading for him. They were talking to him before the Diggs deal. So they have a role in mind for him, and now they can bring that role to fruition. Let's get into some punter talk. I know everybody loves talking about the specialists. I always give the, the specialist talk. Don't let Reed Ferguson hear this. I know he's active on social media. The Heisman. Uh, just because, and I know Kevin Masari was on here. He's probably just scoffing at the suggestion because he loves punter talk and kicker talk. Um, but Corey Bohorquez, who had quite a successful season last year, led the league in punt average. But I think of the star NFL uh, starters that qualified, he probably had the least amount of punts because the Bills' offense was just so good last year. So they go, they go out, they bring in Matt Hack. Uh, you had a fun little uh, post on on him tonight. Uh, cool little Ryan's always got the creative uh, tweet uh, tweet descriptions and and some fun jokes in there. And you got the shout out tonight too on the on the uh, uh, spaces on your office and uh, parks and recreations. Uh, enjoyment but you know i think first and foremost i saw some overreaction to the news because i think people saw you know some of those headlines and some of the good things that cory bohorquez did last year but i think when you have an offense as good as the bills have ryan punter just doesn't really matter that much and if it's a more affordable deal i'm not sure if the number has been reported yet because we've kind of been in some craziness since that happened but i, I would imagine they probably got him at a, a lesser a uh, number than they would have had to pay for Corey Borges. Yeah, it's going to, I would think that's, I, I don't want to say significantly lower because no punter really goes out and breaks the bank and has this uh, astronomical number. Unless the last one I can think of was like Marquette King way back in the day. Yeah. We need some punter talk. Yeah. He, he's going to come a lot more uh, at a more affordable rate and more, more affordable price. Like you said, the, the bills didn't punt that much last year. I think they're going to go into this year with that same mindset uh, where they plan to move the ball, score a lot of points, and they get themselves into fourth and manageable situations at midfield, a little bit over midfield, they're going to go for it. Uh, they, they don't need a punter like you did back in the Brian Mormon days uh, where, where you're punting most of the time. So that's one thing. If Corey Bohorquez is trying to take his best season and make money off of it, which any good player, any good agent does, 
And the Bills are just like, we don't have that kind of money. We don't want to give a punter that kind of money, especially when they're only coming in two times a game, uh, three times a game sometimes. Then it makes sense from both sides to kind of split up at this point. Uh, Hawk is very good in terms of, like I said, pinning teams within the 20. And that not just in one year, because I know some people were looking at Bohorquez's stats this past season and said he was just as good. Maybe he had some more. Overall in his career, he set the record with the Dolphins in 2018. I think he had 34 that season. He had two games in his career where he's had seven punts land inside the 20-yard line in, in one single game. Uh, so that's interesting. I, I think he has, I think I read it again, I'm, I'm no punter expert. I read that the hang time is there that kind of cuts down on returns. Although we, we did see one with Isaiah McKenzie in week 17 that did not work out that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it, it's, so we have numbers be, here. I'll we go have numbers here. Mike Garofolo tweeted about 20 minutes ago, uh, three years, 5.5 million, uh, base incentives could push it to 7 million. So that's going to come in at about 1.85 million, uh, per season, which would also come in, uh, according to Joe Biscalia from the athletic, uh, that average salary for the RFA tender on Bajorquez would have been about 2.1 million. So yeah, they're saving some money here. And I think like, like I said, I, I know that this is a, a regime that values special teams and what what they are obviously able to do in the special teams realm on in in multiple ways last year. But for a team that only punted it 41 times last year, I think this is fine. Yep. At the end of the day, you're saving money. It's it's not a huge deal. Uh, I did see some complaints saying that for every kick that he would boom, there'd be some inconsistent ones where he didn't know where it was going. Well, we saw that from Corey Bohorquez over the course of his career. Uh, with, with the bills. Now, the, the only thing is uh, you're going to have, and, and these are minor details, the relationship in the special teams room, obviously Ferguson was close with him, but uh, Bork was also the holder for Tyler Bass. So that's something they're going to have to work out, figure out who's going to take that job. If you bring back Matt Barkley, is that him? Are you going to trust Hawk? Uh, Hawk actually has a little bit of a history doing some, uh, you know, trick plays in Miami. He's trying to get me to talk about backup quarterback, Ryan. Is that what you, is that what you're doing? Maybe a little. You're trying to snake your way into that conversation. Cause you know, that gets me fired up. That's right. But yeah, he threw a touchdown pass a few years ago. It was the play of the year in 2019, the Bridgestone play of the year. He um, scored a touchdown this past season, but it was called back on a penalty where he ran it in. He had a trick play against the Patriots where he completed a pass and was called back. So uh, there's going to be a few tricks up their sleeve when it comes to Hawk as well. So that'll be something fun to kind of play around with too if they get into a fourth and manual situation, they decide to quote unquote punt, but actually go for a fake. Uh, Joe is reporting additionally uh, some extra juice here. Cap hit of one point five seven million in two thousand twenty one. So that's much. That comes in much less than his yearly average salary. So that's a that's a nice deal for a veteran punter. Uh, and I did read somewhere uh, somebody that uh, I don't know if it was out of Miami that said that he hit one of his strong suits is as a holder. So I think that that uh, is something that you know to take. All you specialist uh, enthusiasts out there, take put your mind at ease with the fact that he can uh, hold a, hold the football for a kicker. All right, let's get into Zach Ertz. We've been going for almost 15 minutes here. I see a lot of comments on Ertz. And where are we at right now? There's been, I feel like there's been tons of little uh, little nuggets over the course of the evening. All of these little factors that people are starting to put together. It was reported earlier today by multiple sources that the Eagles. Ertz's team permission to seek a trade. So that's where the floodgates kind of opened. 
You saw that the Bills traded Lee Smith. Well, apparently uh, Zach Ertz liked that on uh, Twitter as somebody uh, shared a picture of that. Uh, apparently he he started following the Bills potentially tonight, but I think that, that he might have been following the Bills already maybe. Who knows? But the big piece to all of this that I think really put everything into perspective is Benjamin Albright tweeted out that uh, the Bills are in the mix for Ertz. And let's start just there about being in the mix, Ryan. Like this was a call that we all knew the Bills and Brandon Bean would do their due diligence and make once the it became apparent that Ertz was available, that Bills wanted at, at a tight end. You go back to what Brandon Bean said at the end of the season and the fact that there's been reports out uh, as, as recently as yesterday, Dan Graziano, that the Bills, you know, kind of targeting the tight end. And then to find out today, Public enemy number one, Mr. Rob Gronkowski, was reportedly offered a deal by the Bills. He took a similar deal to go to the uh, um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers, of course. But wow, uh, eye popping stuff. And you know, I think all signs point to the fact that the Bills are are, are motivated to try to bring in a tight end. Yeah, uh, you, you nailed it there. You know, when when Ben Albright says that the Bills are in the mix for a player, you can take that to the bank. He's as reliable as any national insider. Um, so the Bills are doing their due diligence. And any team that feels like they are a contender and they're a piece away and Zacherts could be that piece, then you're doing that due diligence. So I'm sure a lot of teams have called. A lot of teams uh, are talking with Ertz's agent because the Eagles are allowing him to pursue a trade. So now you can kind of talk with the team. Uh, talk, I see a lot of people saying it was a fake account. I don't know what the fake account was, but but Ben there was a, there was a fake account from Tom Pelissero that said that the Bills were trading for Zach Ertz. And oh, okay, I, I think a couple of us on the beat actually put out, "Hey, look for the bios, look for the check marks, don't fall for the fake stuff." So right. But yeah, but Albright did say that, and, and yes. you know we both follow him. So um, yeah, he's a great tight. He checks every box. He's a great tight end. He can be a difference maker, and, and he's a veteran presence. I still feel like the Bills need that veteran presence, and it's not just because Lee Smith was traded away to Atlanta tonight. I don't think he was going to be in the long term plans one way or the other. I think he was either going to retire, the Bills were going to cut him, or he's going to obviously get traded. I didn't have a trade on the radar though. I didn't think any team would would trade a pick for him. Um, but they need that veteran. They've always liked to have a veteran in, in a room to bring along younger players. You saw it with Frank Gore a few years ago. You've seen it at other positions. So you want to have that at tight end when you have Dawson Knox, someone young that you want to bring along. To a lesser extent, Tommy Sweeney, uh, Nate Becker, some young guys that you have there. Reggie Gilliam, I, I still consider him a fullback slash tight end, so I, I sometimes forget about him when I'm mentioning names because I still think of him as more of a fullback, but a lot of young guys, you want that veteran, someone that can come in, teach these young guys the ropes. Ertz can do that. He can be a contributor. Uh, you can trade for him, and then you can also restructure that deal, that contract, by extending him uh, as you're, you know, as the trade's getting done. You can lower that cap hit. So there, there are ways that the Bills can make this work, make this fit. And, you know, from a let's not just – keep that distance between new England, but let's go for the super bowl. Let's, let's be that team. The AFC Ertz is another piece. He's another player that can be a difference maker. And that's what the bills needed at the end of the season. Nathan Jennings on YouTube. Great point. How is there only four likes and over 200 people watching on YouTube? We're so bad at that, Ryan. We got to remind everybody. We always forget smash that like button while you're there. If you, if you're new 
please subscribe hit that subscribe button find us on the audio platforms we always put the the audio uh right to the platform after and we're going to be live a ton this week on twitter so if you're not following us on twitter our handles are right there on the screen uh we will get after it uh over there a couple times this week let's shift gears a little bit here there's going to be more on earths uh over the course of the show but i want to talk a little bit about two things number one what the what the patriots let's start here what the patriots did today and we talked so much about johnny smith yesterday and that was almost like the big splash of free agency on day one well, lo and behold, Mr. Bill Belichick had a little trick up his sleeve. He comes mm -hmm. back on day two and signs Hunter Henry to another massive deal. Three years, 35 plus million, crazy guaranteed money. I think the final number comes out to about 51 million in guaranteed money to Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. I think, first of all, I, I like the aggressive nature that I, Bill, oh, I guess Bills fans are going to like it, but I, I, I think that they had to do something drastic because I, as I tweeted out, I think that there was a very wide margin between where the Patriots were at the end of 2020 and where the Bills are. And I think the Bills had a lot of work to do, or the Patriots did, to kind of try to catch up. And with the quarterback situation, there's only so much you can do, but I think this is interesting because – you, this opens up so many possibilities in that playbook for Josh McDaniels with a full offseason with Cam Newton. If he ends up being the quarterback, they want to try to run it back with him. Those are two weapons that I think if they get comfortable could be a problem. What were your impressions of the decision to do that and how dangerous this offense now might be with those two guys as the focal point? Well, I, I was completely underwhelmed with their wide receiver additions. I think Nelson Aguilar had a really nice season with the Raiders. Um, and, and, you know, Kendrick Bourne, the Bills are reportedly interested in him, has has a certain skill set that that you might like, that you might think you could come in. So, But at the end of the day, that position was underwhelming. So you needed to bring in some pass catchers that could create mismatches, and that's exactly what Johnny Smith does. That's exactly what Hunter Henry does. At the same time, what are you getting in those two tight ends? You're not getting a Rob Gronkowski, which obviously he was the premier tight end over the last decade uh, in New England with Tom Brady. Uh, they, they've had some other great tight ends in there, too, and even number two compliments. They, they've run this system. Josh McDaniels can utilize them, can go to work with their skill sets, can do what he can to take them to the next level. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're still signing two guys who – Coming off of a career year for Jonu Smith, and, and we, we know what Hunter Henry can do, they still haven't ever put up eye-popping stats in their careers uh, as the premier tight ends. They've never been the Travis Kelsey or the George Kittles. Can they be in New England? Perhaps, because I think they're going to be getting a lot of targets based on the weapons that are there, based on maybe getting the ball out of Cam Newton's hands quickly or whoever that quarterback will be. Uh, because maybe they do turn their their attention and shift to the draft now and, and maybe go after Mac Jones or someone they might like in that range, trade up, get aggressive. Uh, but it was needed based on what they had last year because they their receiving game was atrocious. Their rookie tight ends were bad. Uh, their wide receivers were not NFL caliber across the board. You know, um, Harry wasn't very good. Uh, Jacoby Myers I, I, had his moment. So 
I think that report out is so funny too, because Harry was so bad and the Patriots are trying to trade it. I mean, who would give up any type of asset at this point for Nikhil Harry? And maybe like a, a, a late day three pick where you just want to take a flyer. If you, if you liked him during the scouting process, but he's been so underwhelming that I think that uh, I kind of get a chuckle out of that, but I, w- I wanted to build off that a little bit. And I think that there's probably a hope in new England, you know, within the building that they can make a deal for a quarterback. I know, the, the obvious name out there is Jimmy Garoppolo, if they could put together a package with still a, a, probably a lot of cap space co- considering how they probably structured a lot of these deals. I wouldn't be surprised if they had the kind of room to make a deal like that. And then I think the the moonshot, the grand slam attempt would be Deshaun Watson if they, if they could sh- somehow put together a package. Although if you're the Houston Texans and you end up and you do end up trading him, I, I find it hard to believe that you'd be willing to trade him it, within the, the 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 conference, you may not have a choice depending on who the suitors are. But uh, th- any way that that situation ends is going to be absolutely awful. But I, I think that if you're a Bills fan, you look at the Patriots adding two the two top tight end targets, and you kind of sit back in your chair and you're 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 disheartened a little bit because that was obviously a position of need. And I think a lot of people got really hyped up on the the John U. Smith train and they a lot of people put their eggs in that basket okay the bills can only make one big swing in free agency let it be Johnu smith let it be that tight end position and i want to say it's okay that this that that didn't work out the way that you you might have hoped because listen there could be a lot of buyer's remorse really early on and i'm not saying that you know maybe Johnu smith ends up in the bills offense and it works right away but i think that a zach Ertz type of move where like you mentioned, you could do some gymnastics, maybe take some of the 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 uh, cap hit off the top with Philadelphia, eating some of that, maybe restructure the deal, push some of it down the line because he does want to restructure. Any of those kind of things that you can do to kind of soften the financial impact of that. And I think what Zach Ertz brings and gives you in an offense that already has a plethora of weapons. I mean, look across that, that offense. Johnu Smith and Hunter Henry are getting all of the targets all of the time. You mentioned Kendrick Bourne and you mentioned Nelson Aguilar. Those are very much role player pieces that aren't ever going to command a lion's share of anything. So I think that they're, they're in a better position to utilize those players. And I think we've seen limitations on this kind of offense. Haven't we, Ryan? I mean, we, we both sit here and talked a ton about Lamar Jackson, about this Baltimore Ravens offense and how it's fun it's creative at times because you know you're you're winning in a more classic style in a in a in a league that's kind of more predicated on you know moving the ball, pushing the ball down the field. They they beat you with some of the the short stuff and the ability to run the ball. The Patriots are going to try to do the same thing, and I think that you have to be really really great for teams to know what you want to do in that department and still be able to execute at a high level. No, I agree with that completely. And going back to what you said about possible buyer's remorse, I know, like you said, a lot of fans wanted Johnu Smith. Uh, a lot of fans wanted, not too long ago, J.J. Watt. If the Bills pull off that Watt move, what, what other moves will they have made? Would they have brought back Matt Milano? No. Would they have been able to re-sign Darrell Williams? Probably not. It would have been one or the other uh, in, in that case. And, and, you know, maybe Feliciano comes back. But you're not getting all of those key pieces back. If you can get all your, your core, your top three free agents back, I feel like that's a win over a Watt whose name value might not right now might be more than his talent level based on mm. his age, based on the injuries. Uh, some of these names that are out there in free agency – 
get overvalued in terms of what kind of impact they're going to be going to be or going to have. And maybe John Smith will be the exception, and maybe Hunter Henry will be the exception. We don't know. But we, we talked about that on that Spaces uh, on Twitter, how the Miami Dolphins, it was one year ago, they made all these splashy signings the first day of free agency or, and in the tampering period before that where it was Shaq Lawson and it was Kyle Van Noy. And mind you, neither of them were premier players at their positions, but they were free agent signing $10 million deals and big money deals. Uh, they're both gone. The running backs are gone one year later that they had signed and brought up, brought aboard. So you don't know how long these moves are going to, to how long these players are going to stay on a roster, or how they're going to pan out because we've seen this so many times where, where teams spend big money and ultimately the end result is still missing the playoffs. The end result is not coming close to your expectations and the way some of these contracts are going to be built around the leagues, as massive and as eye-popping as some of them are, this could end up being one-year deals. Uh, I did see that John, who holds a very small cap hit this year, uh, you know, great contract building, but then it gets up higher and higher as the NFL cap's expected to get up. But if he doesn't live up to expectations and there's a, an, an out after two years, they won't hesitate to, to kind of get rid of that deal and to move on. That's the way the NFL works is, only so much money that's guaranteed. And if you're not producing right away, you're not going to see every dollar that you sign for. So uh, I feel like the bills have taken care of business. They've done what they needed to do. There was a significant gap in the AFC entering free agency uh, because none of the other teams in the AFC have that quarterback right now. That can obviously change with some of these quarterbacks available via trade, possibly what's going to happen in the draft. But as long as the Bills have Josh Allen and the other three teams in the AFCs do not have a proven franchise quarterback as of now, which none of them do, uh, I would feel pretty good about the Bills and what they've done today and what they still may do, especially with them being in the mix on a Zach Ertz. You know, I, I read um, a couple things on Twitter today about, you know, if you wake up on day three, day four, and, and what position the Bills might go to if you turn it over to the defensive side of the ball. Where are you at now with what's left out there in terms of cornerback two versus an edge rusher or defensive lineman? Obviously, a couple of names that you had put out that you'd seen reports on with, you know, uh, Smoot, who uh, who ended up, I think, going to Jacksonville, right? Yeah, he, then, he went back to Jacksonville. Yeah. Okay, and then where did De- Denico Autry went go? Uh, t- uh the Titans. T- th- uh, t- the Titans. Yep. Titans. Yeah. So the Titans have putting together a nice little defensive line down there. Um, also added Bud Dupree, have Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, that That's that's a formidable group down there in, in Tennessee. And then you look at the Bills, and, the, and, they, and they haven't added. The only addition that they made is, I guess, keeping Mario Addison. And I think that there's some level of concern about the drop in his play last year, first year in Buffalo. Where are you at in terms of what's left? I, I feel like there's obviously a lot more corners out there. The took a little bit longer for that market to develop. We saw the big Shaq Griffin deal today. Uh, where are you at? Uh, I, I still say bring in a veteran that can be part of your rotation, that can compete for a role. Uh, what's out there, like you said, it's it's not the same. I know a lot of fans are hoping to get better news on Von Miller today and, and maybe that the Broncos wouldn't accept that uh, option because they tried to pay cut and that route didn't work out. Um, so, you know, I, I've seen fans float names like Melvin Ingram and things like that. 
maybe you do roll the dice on someone like that. Someone that you think can, can come off the edge. San Riddick is still out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, situational pass rusher who thrived this past year in Arizona. Uh, who Wherever he lands next, even if it's a one-year deal, I would not be shocked if he does a lot better stat-wise than what J.J. Watt puts up. And then you might end up looking back at that deal for that reason, too, and say, boy, they went older, they got less production, and they had just finally figured out how to utilize uh, Hassan. So, you know, th- there are some players out there. I wouldn't mind to see the Bills roll the dice on someone. Uh, I feel like they love their rotation. I don't, you know, Bam Johnson is as good as he is on special teams. He, he's limited in what he can do off the edge. You have older players there in Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison. So you want to find someone that you can maybe sign for two or three years where uh, where one of them goes, you have an option that can kind of be promoted and that you have some confidence in. You can go the draft route again, but at number 30, there's no guarantees you're going to get one of the top two or three edge rushers in this draft. It's possible with the wide receivers, the quarterbacks, and some of these other talented players are going to go early in this draft but it's no guarantee. And, and to expect someone to come in year one and contribute uh, as a rookie isn't necessarily a realistic expectation either. And that's the your, your biggest glaring weakness on defense, in my opinion. Uh, again, I talked about this on spaces. You can have a great number two cornerback come in here and the Bills could still have issues because as good as this cornerbacks can be, the linebackers can be, you can only cover for so long in this game. And if you're not getting pressure on the quarterback, and you're giving that quarterback time to move around in the pocket, to roll out, someone's going to get open. Someone's going to scramble and, and, and get open. So I feel like the Bills need to find someone that can at least help in getting pressure on the quarterback, whomever that may be. And, and that's what I would like to see the Bills pursue next after, you know, uh, Zach Ertz watch is over. Um, yeah, I think that's a great point. Uh, the one thing I'll add to that is I think like the pool of talent is a little bit deeper uh at cornerback at this stage than it is at edge rusher and i'm looking at some of the names and one name that kind of you know jumps out at me i've obviously talked a little bit about jadavian Clowney. melvin ingram is still available and he's somebody that i think could be intriguing at the right price ryan kerrigan is somebody that i think might appeal to the bills obviously he kind of might fit a little bit more of that trent murphy mold i think he's been a little bit more effective and more productive and more consistent over the course of his career, that's somebody that kind of, you know, down on the list. If you're looking at, uh, if you don't follow Mike Clay on Twitter, go find his free agency cheat sheet. It, it mm. is a great tool for navigating through free agency. But then you look at the corners, and I want to bring this up, Ryan. Levi Wallace right now, with what's left after a couple moves today, and William Jackson was just, uh, his signing was just announced. He was the top corner left on the list. Then it's Richard Sherman. Dory Jackson was cut by Tennessee. Casey Hayward was cut by the Chargers. And then it's Patrick Peterson, Xavier Rhodes, Malcolm Butler, Troy Hills in the mix there. Number 12 on that list, pretty high, higher than I would have anticipated. Levi Wallace. Hmm. I think that the fact that they're not tendering him, I think that there's going to be a market for Levi Wallace. And I think he might get a little bit more money. I think Bills fans are going to tweet a couple eye emojis when he ends up signing because for as much as I feel like they need to upgrade from him to a guy that maybe they can put in there or and rely upon for 50, 60 snaps a game, Levi Wallace might be in play. I mean, if you can get him back at an affordable price, the Bills might be, might be into that. Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to go with a little story time here. Man. My first car, I called it the Silver Bullet. It was ugly. It had a lot of mileage, but it was reliable. 
It wasn't pretty. It wasn't flashy, but it got the job done. It got me to point A to point B. And that's what Levi Wallace has been for this team. He has been the number two cornerback. He has beaten out veterans year in, year out. Uh, and, and he has started more games than not. And are there limitations in his game? 100% absolutely. No one is going to be giving him all pro votes, comparing him to Trey White and, and those upper echelon uh, cornerbacks in this league. But he is a capable starter. And, and I think that we take that for granted because he, he has some ups and downs like any cornerback does where he gets picked on. But he also made some plays and his confidence grew late in the year. And we've seen that time and time again, too. So when, when you look at starting experience, when you look at age, when you look at maybe scheme fit, some team could end up making a sizable offer to him uh, more than what the Bills wanted because if they're not tendering him, they want him to come back at a very low, reduced salary. Uh, but I, I think another team could go out there. Now, you know, you mentioned some names, and I was a big fan of Adoree Jackson when he came out, and I am still a fan of him from an athleticism standpoint, and I would not mind to see the Bills pursue him. In addition to playing cornerback, he is someone that can help as a as a return man. He's someone that I think two, you know, he fills two roles because now that you've lost Andre Roberts, you need to figure out that kick returner, punt returner role. Uh, maybe have two separate guys handle the returning returns, but Jax could help there. So there are still options out there at cornerback, but bringing back Levi Wallace is not the worst case scenario because he he gets the job done. He's still young. He's still growing as a player, uh, and he obviously knows your system in inside and out. Pivoting back to Zach Ertz because it is Zach Ertz watch tonight uh, within Bills Mafia. Benjamin Albright uh, tweeting out earlier today the Bills tonight. Uh, Bills are in the mix for him. I see Steve over on YouTube. Not to call you out here, buddy, but uh, with a comment on Ertz being the next Charles Clay in Buffalo, don't do it. Let's clarify who Zach Ertz is. I, I know he's had a rough couple years. I mean, this is a Super Bowl champion, three-time Pro Bowler, first-team All-Pro in 2018. This is a guy that has really produced in this league at a high level, and I think that he brings a skill set that is perfect for what the Bills want to do. And I think, like, when you look through the available players, like, I almost feel like every guy that you mentioned in the free agent pool – can do one thing well, right? I, I don't know if we're taught at this point with Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry off the board. You look around at some of these players and it's just, they leave a little bit to be desired in one area or the other. And I think with Ertz, I mean, you go back to 2018, 1100 yards, eight touchdown, 10 yards a catch. I mean, 116 receptions. I mean, this is Travis Kelsey like production and he's still younger than Travis Kelsey. I think landing Zach Ertz. I mean, we talked about it already in the show. This is that big smash move that I don't think Brandon Bean thought could happen, especially after all these deals that were done with his own players. But if they can make it happen, you do this in a heartbeat. And I think this is one that is absolutely uh, could change the complexion of this offense. Yeah, I don't know where the narrative came from that he's had a rough few years. He had a rough 2020. Uh, he missed some time. The quarterback situation there with, with Carson Wentz was obviously not ideal. Jalen Hurts uh, had some, you know, flashed at times, but not ideal. But look at 2019. He had 88 catches, 916 yards, and six touchdowns. Without looking it up, I'm fairly confident that the receptions and yard total would, would shatter any Bills record for tight end. I think it would sh absolutely shatter either record. Because I don't, I don't know offhand, but I don't think a Bill, I don't know if a Bills tight end has ever gone 
close to that. Mm-hmm. The year before that, he had 116-11-63-8 stat line. Um, that should seven, be our off-season um, project. We should yeah. go back through the history of books and look at all the best seasons of Bill's tight ends because I think the numbers would be nauseating, to be honest I, I did it at one time, actually, I, and I can't remember who the player was. Maybe it was Charles Clay, and I said, you know, what would Charles Clay have to do to break Bill's franchise records? Because I think at one time he was on pace for receptions or something. And I put it out there, and this was years ago, obviously. We're talking about Charles Clay, but it, it was nothing that was uh, too impressive, needless to say. All right. This has been a awesome show. We are getting um, great interaction from you guys. I, I know everybody in Bill's Nation is just absolutely on the edge of their seats hoping for some late-night news. It doesn't look like we have it quite yet. Um but I'll, we got to send Ryan to bed. Uh, he's got a big day tomorrow. Uh, it's getting late. If something happens, I'll still be up for a while, and, uh, and I'll come back solo if I have to. Uh, if something breaks uh, in the next couple hours, I'm going to stick through it because it does feel like there's something going on. Uh, the the Lee Smith trade is, is so interesting. Uh, the timing of it, the reports that are coming out, I feel like you start putting the puzzle pieces together. And I think that we could be talking about uh, maybe a, a tight end addition at some point here, Ryan. Yeah, uh, it's going to happen one way or the other. And if it's not Ertz, I saw someone in the chat mentioned Gerald Everett. We've mentioned Dan Arnold. There's some other veterans out there. Uh, and the longer they sit out here, the price point's going down. I remember when Kyle Rudolph was first released, team uh, fans said, oh, he's going to get way too much. If, if he's sitting out there for, for a few more days, if Dan Arnold's sitting out here for a few more days going into next week, they're not. They're going to either keep sitting out there or they're going to lower what they're looking for and maybe take an incentive-based deal or take a deal where it's a one-year prove it where they can rebound their stock. So patience is the key word tonight for for the bills mafia as much as as everyone would love to see them land zach Ertz as soon as we get off the air here if it doesn't happen be patient because the longer these players sit on the market the better deals brandon bean is going to be able to make hit that like button while you're watching do smash not it. leave smash it like pound it uh and also hit that subscribe button if this is the first time that you landed on our page we are live all the time, all off season long, all bills, all the time. We created this channel to make sure that we're bringing you as much bills content as we can. Uh, we're, we're expected to hear from Brandon Bean, hopefully sometime this week. So we'll have tons of fallout from that. And, you know, hopefully some more moves to make. I mean, the tough part for Bills fans is this is a roster that's pretty complete. It's one of the best five rosters in the NFL. And when that's the case, you don't have to do a lot of the the dirty work in free agency where, you know, a lot of teams trying to catch up have to do. So that's a good thing. For Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino. We will see you very shortly. Try to get some sleep, and we'll talk to you soon.